This episode is sponsored by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. So, I mean, doesn't get any cheaper than that. Second, there are creation tools that will allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. I'm editing this podcast from a Chromebook using the web, so it's pretty easy to do. Um, If I can do it, you can certainly do it. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more services. So you don't have to go to each individual podcast service and distribute it yourself. It automatically does that for you. So that's pretty awesome. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, I mean, it's a pretty good way to make some money. Um, And then last but not least, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app for iOS or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started or download the app for iOS or Android today. The following episode may contain language that is not suitable for certain listeners. Listener's discretion is advised. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Cells and Circuits podcast. I am your host, Chibeze Anakor, and on this episode, we'll be talking about Warner Brothers' new hybrid movie release model. Then after that, we'll get into the future of the Animaniacs reboot. And then after that, we'll get into my experience with the Google Pixel 5 and the TicWatch Pro 3. And without further ado, let's jump right into it. All right, so first up, we're going to talk about Warner Brothers' new hybrid movie release model. So let me get you up to speed a little bit, because last week, Warner Brothers announced a massive move in the film industry, basically saying that it was going to release its entire 2021 movie slate on HBO Max. And it's going to release them in theaters same day. So it's a day and date release on HBO Max and in theaters with 4K and HDR. So that's huge news for HBO Max. And honestly, HBO Max is starting to look like it's the streaming service to get, especially if you like movies. So it's looking like it's going to be a requirement in 2021. With this move, we want to get into why it's happening. So with the COVID-19 pandemic, it's been making it very risky to go to movie theaters, which is understandable. People don't want to risk their health to go and see a movie. And we saw that with Christopher Nolan's Tenet when it released in August. Not a lot of people went to see that movie. And then 
when Warner Brothers released their following movie, The Witches, it came on HBO Max. So Tenet had this, you know, real big push to go to theaters. And even if you listen to any of the trailers or TV spots for Tenet, you would hear big movies are back in theaters. And then all of that for Warner Brothers to just do a complete 180 with the witches and release it on HBO Max. So, yeah, obviously people didn't want to risk their health to go see Tenet. So that movie probably didn't do very well in the box office. And with this new hybrid movie release model, of course, people who actually make the films and the people who own theaters are not very happy about that. And particularly Christopher Nolan, who directed Tenet, he was very mad that Warner Brothers was going this route. As a longtime partner with Warner Brothers, he definitely voiced his concerns, and his concerns definitely seemed a bit tone-deaf in the eyes of just regular people. Some people see him as like, oh, he's just another rich white guy who doesn't really care about us regular people or people don't want to risk their health to go to movie theaters. So like, would you rather have them die just to go see your movie? Like, no. And so people were understandably mad at him about it. And there have been other people who have made a lot of controversial comments particularly the CEOs of AMC and to a much lesser extent Regal because Regal tried that with Universal for Trolls 2 and they quickly got shut down. (laughs) So yeah, this has been a really game-changing move and Universal actually took a step towards this earlier in the year where they announced a much shorter window in between theaters and streaming releases. And so now Warner Brothers just completely eliminated that window and just made every single movie in their 2021 slate available on HBO Max and in theaters same day. Now, I should clarify that when those movies hit HBO Max, they'll only be available for one month while those movies are still in theaters. So you have one month from the release date to watch that on HBO Max before it just goes poof and is gone for like a few months before it goes back on to HBO Max more permanently. But anyway... Now we can get into how other studios may respond to this. And I could see traditional movie studios are probably going to make the same kind of move. They're very likely to. The most obvious movie studio that would make a similar move to this would be Disney. They could very easily just move their entire 2021 movie slate sans 20th century studios 
releases and their R-rated films onto Disney+. Plus. And combined with the rumors, the current rumors at the time of this recording of Disney Plus merging with Hulu, that could potentially create just like one streaming service for everybody in the family to enjoy. And maybe they may be able to put their more R-rated stuff on Disney Plus if that were to happen. So yeah, I could easily see Disney pulling that move. And with the 20th Century Studios movies, 20th Century Studios, formerly known as 20th Century Fox, has a deal in place with HBO going into 2022, I believe. That basically says that when their movies finally have ended their theatrical window and go on to streaming that they would go on HBO first before anything else. Whether Disney may want to pay Warner Media to make changes to that contract to allow for 20th Century Studios to release their films on Disney Plus. We'll have to wait and see on that, but it definitely seems like Disney may pull a similar move. And then another studio that I could easily see doing this is Universal. And NBC Universal, they could easily announce a similar move to put Universal and Focus Features' entire 2021 slate onto Peacock which would definitely make a a better case, at least for me, to subscribe to Peacock. Because right now, there just isn't a case for me to subscribe to Peacock. There isn't that much content that I would like on the service, but we'll see. And then last but not least is Viacom CBS, where I could see them putting their entire 2021 slate on CBS All Access, which will soon be rebranded to Paramount+. Plus. And I could see them doing that at the same time as the rebrand to Paramount+. Plus. You know, new name, new policies, or new streaming model, and things like that. So I could see how any one of the other traditional movie studios could make the same move that Warner Brothers is. And then as far as streaming movie studios... They'll probably pull out their blockbusters to compete because Netflix and Amazon, they've definitely been investing more and more into blockbusters like we saw with Netflix and movies like Bright and Klaus and Triple Frontier. And yeah, they've been investing a lot into blockbuster movies to try and better compete with their traditional media competitors. And then Amazon, to a lesser extent, has done that as well, though we may not see very much from Amazon because Amazon kind of competes more in the boutique content 
category in terms of original movies amazon prime has more artistic or art housey types of movies so i could see those being released more often in 2021 under amazon prime but we'll see on that and then as far as whether movie theaters will be the same after COVID-19 or not, I personally don't think that movie theaters will be the same. And that's because it's going to be very difficult to convince people to go to the movie theater after, or especially when they can see the biggest blockbusters right from the comfort of their own home. So yeah, theater owners... And filmmakers are really going to have to build a convincing argument for people to go back into movie theaters, even after COVID-19 is over. And if this hybrid movie release model works for Warner Brothers and it pulls in more HBO Max subscribers, I could easily see them doing this beyond 2021 um, into 2022 and 2023. They may even make it a permanent perk for HBO Max subscribers. So, yeah. But, of course, I want to know what you guys think. What do you think of Warner Brothers' new hybrid movie release model? Do you think that they should just leave their movies in theaters and not release them on streaming? Or do you think that this further solidifies that streaming is the future and theaters are going to be on the decline, pandemic or not, let me know what your thoughts are on social media or on Discord. I'll have an all my links link in the show notes for you to find those links. And yeah, we can continue the conversation there, but that's going to do it for this topic. Up next, we'll be getting into the feature of the Animaniacs reboot, and then after that, we'll get into my experience with the Google Pixel 5 and the TicWatch Pro 3. The Cells and Circuits podcast will be back after this. This episode is sponsored by Yubico. Yubico sets new world standards for simple, secure login, preventing unauthorized access to computers, servers, and internet accounts. Their YubiKey is a physical security key using two-factor authentication to protect your accounts. As more of us continue to work from home, it is more important than ever to protect your secure information. So, what can you do to protect your accounts? Well, Yubico is offering our listeners $10 off your next purchase of $100 or more using the code POD at yubico.com. That's code P-O-D at Y-U-B-I-C-O dot com. Say hello to the YubiKey and goodbye to account takeovers. Hey, Cells and Circuits listeners. Did you know that we now have a merch store? It's true. In partnership with Bonfire, we've launched the Cells and Circuits shop where you can find t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. 
So hit the link in the show notes to visit the Cells and Circuit shop and start getting your merch today. It really does help out the show. Thanks for your support. And now, back to the show. All right. So welcome back. And next up, we're going to talk about the future of the Animaniacs reboot. So for those of you who don't know, Animaniacs had recently been rebooted and it got released on Hulu in November or last month at the time of this recording and it got mostly positive reception. Of course there were a couple of controversies because that's just the world that we're living in right now. Like for example the Johnny Depp joke controversy where it has a movie poster of Johnny Depp and the title is Johnny Depp 2 Telling Lies, which for those of you who actually believe that controversy or the idea that they were just attacking Johnny Depp, I think it was more of a Johnny Johnny Yes Papa YouTube video parody But let me know what you think on social media. And then also there was the sex line controversy. So Warner Brothers had to actually pull an episode because it featured a telephone number that turned out to actually be real. And the people on the other side of that phone call worked for a sex line. So yeah, Warner Brothers had to pull that episode. And I guess they're probably editing that right now as we speak. But yeah, I mean, other than those two things, the reboot reception for Animaniacs has been mostly positive. And as someone who's seen all of the episodes thus far, I enjoy the series. I think it definitely keeps the humor there. I enjoy Yakko, Wacko, and Dot's chemistry, and I enjoy Pinky and the Brain segments. I do wish that Good Idea, Bad Idea had come back. Maybe we'll see that in season two, but we'll get more into that in a bit. But yeah, there's not really much to say about Animaniacs. It's a very good reboot, and we've had some pretty bad reboots recently. Powerpuff Girls 2016. (laughs) Yeah, this is definitely a way to do the reboots. So keep it up, Warner Brothers. I hope to see good things in season two. But before I get into what the future of Animaniacs could look like, I, I do want to talk about the history a little bit of how this reboot came to be and what has happened since it was announced. So let's get into the announcement of the reboot. So the announcement of the reboot happened in January of 2018 by Hulu, Warner Brothers, and Amblin Television. And I should mention that Hulu at that time was owned by four companies, I believe. So we had Disney through ABC, and then we had 20th Century Fox, or 21st Century Fox through the Fox Network. And then you had Comcast or NBC Universal through NBC. And then you had Time Warner at the time. <laughs> Pun. 
Yeah, Time Warner at the time through Turner Entertainment at the time. Again, so yeah, Hulu's owned by four companies and the parent company of Warner Brothers, Time Warner at the time, was one of them. And when the reboot was announced, it was ordered for two seasons. But since then, the following things have happened. And these are pretty big things, so... First, the AT&T acquisition of Time Warner. That happened in June of 2018. And once AT&T acquired Time Warner, they rebranded it into what we know now as Warner Media, which still owns Warner Brothers. And then another thing that happened was that Disney acquired 21st Century Fox, and in that acquisition, they also acquired 21st Century Fox's stake in Hulu, making it the majority shareholder of Hulu. So Disney, before they acquired 21st Century Fox, had 30% of Hulu, but then they acquired 21st Century Fox's 30%. So Disney then owned 60% of Hulu, making it the majority shareholder. So they basically own Hulu now. And then last but not least, AT&T sold off WarnerMedia's stake in Hulu. And so AT&T basically just sold WarnerMedia's stake in Hulu to the remaining two owners of of Hulu, which are at the moment Disney and Comcast with a two to one ratio in the amount of AT&T stake that Disney and Comcast acquired. So Disney got about like 6.67% or something like that. And then the rest went to Comcast. And so all of these things lead me to believe that The future of Animaniacs beyond season two is in question. And the reason why I say that it's in question is because, like, we don't know if Hulu will renew Animaniacs beyond season two simply because Hulu is mostly owned and fully operated by Disney. And Disney is a company that definitely wants to have its name on a lot of things, you know, just by either acquiring a bunch of companies or just producing their own content. So I think that the Animaniacs may not continue beyond season two, at least on Hulu, And that's due to the fact that Animaniacs is a show that promotes a rival studio's name and also content on a rival streaming service, which in this case is HBO Max, which is similar to the move that Netflix pulled when they had canceled the Marvel Netflix series because Marvel is owned by Disney. And at the time that Netflix had canceled the Marvel series, Disney Plus was announced. So it made sense why they canceled it because the Marvel series are effectively promo for for content that's 
going to be on Disney Plus. And so Netflix canceled those Marvel series. Like, I get that decision. So I think Disney may decide to do a similar thing to Animaniacs because Animaniacs, it's a show that has the Warner Brothers shield in it quite a lot. And it says Warner Brothers a lot and the Warner sister dot. So it's definitely a marketing campaign for the Warner Brothers name. And also in one of the episodes of the new Animaniacs, series. There were cameos from other franchises that Warner Brothers owns, such as the Looney Tunes franchise and characters from Hanna-Barbera series like the Flintstones and Yogi Bear. And guess which streaming service you can find both Looney Tunes and Hanna-Barbera characters on. Hint, hint. It's not Disney Plus, and it's not Hulu. Um, (laughs) So if you guess HBO Max, you'd be correct. So that's why I think Hulu may not renew Animaniacs beyond season two. But if it is canceled by Hulu, will the show move to HBO Max? I think that's definitely an option. Warner Brothers would probably like for that show to be on HBO Max. And considering how well it's being received on Hulu, and if it gets canceled, I could easily see HBO Max swooping in and saying, hey, we renewed the Animaniacs, come subscribe to HBO Max. So yeah, that's definitely something that I think Warner Media might do. And also, if it's canceled on Hulu, will there be a two-year or one-year or whatever window that Warner Brothers just won't be able to use the Animaniacs on their streaming service, similar to how Disney couldn't use any of the Marvel characters on any of their own platforms because Netflix had the rights for two years after their cancellations and they're just now starting to get the rights to some of those characters back like Daredevil and such. So I don't know if that's going to happen, if that window in where Warner Brothers can't use those characters. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But yeah, let me know what you think the future of the Animaniacs reboot is. Do you think that it will continue on Hulu beyond season two? Or do you think that Hulu may cancel it and Warner Brothers may just move it over to HBO Max? Definitely let me know what you think on social media or on Discord, and we can continue the conversation there. But that's going to do it for this topic. Up next, we'll be getting into my experience with the Google Pixel 5 and the TicWatch Pro 3. The Cells and Circuits podcast will be right back. Hey, Cells and Circuits listeners. Want to support the show without having to buy any merch? Well, you can do that by buying us a coffee. 
all it takes is just one U.S. dollar to help support the show. So click the link in the show notes or go to ko-fi.com slash cells and circuits to help make the cells and circuits podcast a better show for you. Are you a small business looking for a financial platform to do business on? Check out Payment, the first black-owned financial platform where you can do things like sending invoices, accepting payments, and more features will be added in the future. If you watched Trigger Warning with Killer Mike on Netflix, you know that money stays within the black community for an average of six hours compared to the days and sometimes weeks that other communities get. So if you want to bring or keep money in the black community, join Payment, that's P-E-Y-M-Y-N-T, at the affiliate link in the show notes today. All right, last up, we're going to talk about my experience with the Google Pixel 5 and the TicWatch Pro 3. So first up, let's get into the Google Pixel 5. So if you remember the episode where I talked about Google's launch night in where they announced the Pixel 5, I said in that segment that I was going to be upgrading to the Pixel 5. Well, because last month there was a sale and the Pixel 5 was $50 off of its 699 MSRP in US dollars, I went and pulled the trigger and bought the Pixel 5. So that is now my main phone. And after having it for two weeks at this point, or at the time of this recording, I have some thoughts about it. First up, let me just get this out of the way. The battery life on the Pixel 5 is absolutely fantastic. It is, it easily gets me through a day and with lighter use, it gets me through two days. I imagine if you're a really light user, you may even be able to squeeze three days out of that phone. Like, the battery is killer. So, props to Google on that. And then also, this phone is my first 90 hertz refresh rate phone, at least in my personal life. For my work, or for my day job, I do use a 90 hertz refresh rate phone. But as my main daily driver, I really get to feel that 90 hertz refresh rate more often. And so scrolling feels smoother and just any motion on the screen feels much smoother. Now, I should mention that Google has a adaptive refresh rate setting where it'll drop down to 60 hertz when it feels like you're not really doing anything or when you're not using the screen as much just to save battery life and so that is definitely contributing to the very good battery life that i've had on that phone so there is one feature that i do miss upgrading from the pixel 3 and that is the squeeze for google assistant feature 
I miss that feature. I, that was definitely a way for me to access the Google Assistant without having to say the hot word, which I'm not going to say right now for obvious reasons. So now it's just a diagonal swipe up from the bottom corners of the phone to access Google Assistant, which, you know, is fine, but you know, I just miss that level of interactivity with the phone. Like that was unique to the Pixels and some HTC phones had it too, but I, I really miss that feature on the Pixel. And so then next up, I, there are a couple of things that I haven't tried yet, particularly the hold for me feature. I haven't tried that yet. And the hold for me feature, if you remember from my segment on the Google launch night in, it's basically when it detects that you've been placed on hold, it'll just tell you to, it'll tell you to put your phone down and it'll alert you when it's time to pick up the phone again. And so I haven't tried a hold for me yet. I would love to try it. And then also I haven't tried the cameras yet for obvious reasons. There's a pandemic still going on, so haven't really gone very many places. So yeah, but I still do love some of the Pixel exclusive features such as now playing and screen calling. So now playing uses the always on mics in the Pixel phones to detect what music is playing around you and you can tap a little text field that's at the bottom of the screen if you're on the lock screen and then when you double tap it and unlock the phone you get a menu where you can add that song that you hear in the background to your playlist on your music streaming service of choice mine is youtube music i migrated from spotify earlier this year so it allows me to add a song directly to the playlist from there. So that's nice. And then screen calling just has saved me from a bunch of robo calls. So the Google Assistant will screen any call that you want it to screen and it'll it'll talk to the person on the other side of the phone call and tell them that hey the person you're trying to reach is using a call screening service and will receive a copy of the transcript for this and if they hang up chances are probably a robot so my impressions of the pixel 5 have been very positive right now let me know if you want me to do a full review of it and so next up we can go into the mobvoi tick watch pro 3 and because it's a smartwatch, there isn't really that much to say about it. I will say that just like the Pixel 5, the battery life on the Mobvoi TicWatch Pro 3 is excellent. I get up to three days of battery life, which when I upgraded from my Fossil Gen 5, that was barely getting through a day. And then like maybe in the middle of the second day, I would have to charge it. Or even I would sometimes be ending the day having to charge before bedtime. 
So it's nice to know that I don't have to put this watch on the charger every night, essentially. Also, the performance of this watch is excellent. Wear OS watches have not been that great when it comes to performance, and that's mainly due to Qualcomm's lack of decent smartwatch chips, at least up until this year. Qualcomm only had, if I remember correctly, two smartwatch chips before the current Snapdragon Wear 4100 that's in the TicWatch Pro 3 and only the TicWatch Pro 3 at the time of this recording. So it's a pretty great chip and it allows the performance of the TicWatch Pro 3 to just be more responsive. I don't have to wait nearly as much when um, just doing simple tasks. Whereas the Snapdragon Wear 3100 in the Fossil Gen 5 that I upgraded from, it was chugging, or it was just so slow and there wasn't really that much of a battery life improvement. And so it was a good watch, but the Mobvoi Tick Watch Pro 3 is just excellent. And that's because of the Snapdragon Wear 4100. That chip is a massive upgrade from the Snapdragon Wear 3100 that it replaced. So the performance, you could definitely feel it. So I am very, very impressed um, with the Mavoi TicWatch Pro 3. One of the few complaints that I have for the watch is duplicate apps because Mavoi is trying to push its own apps and its own launcher on the watch. You do have duplicate apps for exercise, for breathing, for heart rate, and things like that. So that's kind of annoying, but I usually use Google Fit, even though, could it use some work? Yes, and I imagine once or if Google ends up acquiring Fitbit, that situation may change and Google Fit may actually get better at tracking workouts because it struggles a little bit, but also, Google, why did you remove the repetition tracking in Google Fit. That was such a good feature because it would allow me to log how many reps that I've done of certain exercises. So I'm very confused about that. Maybe they're working on it. Maybe they're working on a better solution for it. I don't know, but it's just weird to me that they remove that. I hope that it comes back in some way, shape, or form. But yeah, other than that, I don't really have anything else to say about the TicWatch Pro 3. I think it's amazing. And the TicWatch Pro 3, if you're looking for a Wear OS watch, that is the watch that I would recommend. And normally I don't recommend Wear OS watches to people simply because of the performance. Like it's been lackluster for the past few years, but now with the TicWatch Pro 3 and the Snapdragon Wear 4100 that's in it, 
that processor alone fixes most of the problems that Wear OS has had in terms of performance. So I would easily recommend the TicWatch Pro 3, especially with the holidays coming up. That would make a great gift for the techie that you have in your life who wants a smartwatch. My girlfriend actually bought my TicWatch Pro 3 for me, so I really appreciate her because she's just fucking amazing for that. So yeah, let me know what you think of the Google Pixel 5 and the Mavoi TicWatch Pro 3. Do you have either of these devices? Do you have both of these devices? Let me know what you think of them, if you have them. And if you're looking for either of these devices, I'm going to put some affiliate links in the show notes right below that subscribe or follow button, depending on which platform you're on. But yeah, let me know what you think of either of these devices on social media or on Discord, and we can continue the conversation there. I should mention that neither Google nor Mobvoi received any sort of early look or copy approval of this coverage. These thoughts are mine and mine alone, and neither Google nor Mobvoi is sponsoring any of this content. So if that's more of the tech commentary that you want to see, definitely Follow this podcast on social media at Cells and Circuits on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And then also follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review so that other people can find it as well. But yeah, that's going to do it for this topic. Sandra Bland. Terrence Crutcher, Trayvon Martin, Philando Castile, Mike Brown, Alton Sterling, Ahmad Arbery, Walter Scott, Brianna Taylor, Eric Harris, George Floyd, Tony Robinson, Keith Childress, Romaine Brisbane, Betty Jones, Tamir Rice, Kevin Matthews, Laquan McDonald, Michael Noel, Michael Brown Jr., Roy Nelson, Eric Garner. These are just some of the names of people who have been murdered by police and have gotten either a slap on the wrist or have gotten away with committing such a heinous crime scot-free. If you are an American, or even if you're not an American, you should be outraged by this, as I am. This cannot continue to happen, and it speaks to a very long history of racism and police brutality here in the United States of America, and also in other countries as well. 
police brutality is not a U.S. exclusive problem. It's happening around the globe. So, how can you help stop this? Well, you can go and protest, but be very peaceful about it, of course. And if you don't want to go to the protests, that's fine. You can also donate to many different charities that are helping with the cause. If you can't do that, you can also sign petitions to help the cause as well and share those petitions. And for all of these suggestions that I've made, you can do all of them and encourage your friends and family to do the same because staying silent is staying complicit and we cannot stay complicit any longer. This change needs to happen now. And so I just want to leave you with this message. Black lives matter always and forever. All lives cannot matter until black lives matter. Remember that. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cells and Circuits podcast. Remember to wear a mask, wash your hands, and practice social distancing as much as possible. Also, if you want to follow us on social media, I'll have a link in the show notes right below that subscribe or follow button, depending on which platform you're on. And that's it. Our intro and outro music is made by Tiffy3. I'm Chibeze Anapur, signing off.